bench. There's all kinds of excitement going on there. Scores! Roll the highlight reel. Six to nothing flame. Yankees put it in the wind column. Yeah, baby, yeah, baby, yeah, baby. This is Flames Talk with Pat Steinberg and Aaron Vickers on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, let's get it going. This hour is underway on Flames Talk. With Aaron Vickers of NHL.com, my name is Pat Steinberg. It is Wednesday, February 7th. Welcome to the Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Simplify your life with a security ecosystem. Go to CalgaryLockandSafe.com to request a security audit and get a tailored solution. Now, Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, Vic. Hello, Patrick. How are we? Uh, I'm doing well. I think everyone would agree that... Tuesday's win in Boston was one of Calgary's best of the season. I think that that's fair. You and I, I don't think it'd be tough to disagree with that one. That was a pretty comprehensively strong effort for the Flames at TD Garden. Hey, I don't have the scoring chances for and against in front of me, but it felt like Boston was at zero for at least 30, 35 minutes of that game. That Bruins team finished with just six five on five high dangers, um, which is an impressive feat for any team. And, and, yeah, Boston was pretty junk themselves. There were a lot of silly, unforced errors by them. But, you know, it, it does, I, I think Calgary helped Boston look as poor as they did. And I also don't think that it really takes away from the kind of up-and-down, mm-hmm. comprehensive effort the Flames put on the ice last night. And And Tuesday's game may also have given us the best quote of the season from Nazem Kadri. A pack of hyenas can can take down a lion, you know. So that's the the type of mentality that we need is playing as a team and everyone chipping in. And you know, when we do that, we can we can do we can accomplish great things. So it was uh, Francis who asked the question that got that uh, that got that quote. And and so when Francis tweeted it out on Tuesday night, I'm like, what is it? What is this in re- like? What what is this in reference to? What are we talking? It seems about? weird in isolation. Yeah, it was like very strange in a, in a in a vacuum. Um, but. When I went back and listened, and when we played it on post game on Tuesday night, I was like, "Yeah, you know what, Nazem, let's go!" Like, if if I'm a Flames fan and I know what's going to uh, what what's already happened, and where they have made three trades of established players, and they've gotten younger, and many people around the league have written the Flames off. If I'm a Flames fan and I hear that from one of my highest paid players and one of the most important players on the team, one of the true leaders on this team, one of the guys who wears a Stanley Cup ring whenever he damn well pleases, like you want to hear that. That that's something you want to hear from Nazem Kadri because it's that mentality and that approach that is going to keep Calgary in this playoff fight for the rest of the season even if they make other trades. Like we've talked multiple times over the last number of months about how could the Flames do something similar to what Nashville did last season, where they traded away all the guys they needed to trade away. They moved on from whether it was Ekholm or Grandland or Janot or anybody who didn't fit Barry Trotz and David Poyle's long-term vision. They said, you know what? We're going to move on, and and we're going to we we know that we're not winning the cup this year. Maybe we make the playoffs, maybe we don't, but we know what we are, and we know that this year is not going to be our year ultimately. And making the playoffs would be great because more revenue, good experience for young players, so on and so forth. But we still need to be intellectually honest about what we are. And they made the trades, and 
I think Craig Conroy has shown them doing just that and, and has shown that that's exactly the way he's looking at this. He knows that they need to get younger. He knows that they need to take a longer, bigger picture view of this thing, but also isn't willing to just sacrifice what's going on this year and isn't willing to just wave the white flag on the year and say, we're done, roll over us. So if they're going to stay competitive, that mentality, the uh, I'll play it one more time. A pack of hyenas can, can take down a lion, you know, so that's uh, the type of mentality that we need is playing as a team and everyone chipping in. And, you know, when we do that, we can we can do we can accomplish great things. Yeah, like make that a rallying cry. Like the Flames don't have Pasternak. They don't have McDavid. They don't have McKinnon. They don't have the kind of high end talent that is going to win games on their own. And they might lose more of their best players in trades between now and the beginning of March. So use use that type of mentality, whether it's that quote in a bubble or whether it's just the overall mentality to galvanize you. Like, take on that David and Goliath feeling. I, I t- Take on that approach for the rest of the year. I think it'll serve them well for the rest of the season. It'll serve them well building a culture. It'll serve them well going into next year in the offseason. I, I, I thought that was... And, and Nazem's always good for a quote, and and he's always uh, he he's always good to stick up for the team and and all that type of stuff. But that one, I was like, yeah, damn right, that's what you want to hear if you're a Flames fan. And you said something interesting there, uh, and it's the culture building aspect of a quote like that. It's a rallying cry. It's an us against the world sort of mentality, and that's exactly what the Calgary Flames need right now. You ran through the list of players that the Calgary Flames don't have. They don't have a game breaker like a Connor McDavid or a Nathan McKinnon. Everything that they do has to be by committee if they want to have any success between February 7th and the end of the regular season, regardless of what happens at the NHL trade deadline. And that mantra of, you know, pack of hyenas can take down a lion, that's something that they can use for the bulk of the remainder of the season, regardless of who's in that dressing room. And it just speaks to the, you mentioned it, Nazem Kadri has a ring he can wear anytime he wants, and he knows how to set a tone. And that's just one of those phrases. I don't know if I'm overreacting to it a little bit. I'm, I mean, perhaps a little bit because I love a good soundbite. But at the same time, if you've got somebody in your room that has Stanley Cup experience, that has the hardware to back it up, a player like that standing up and declaring that doesn't go unnoticed by some of the younger players in the room that maybe more casually might go, oh, yeah, we're a rebuilding team or we're a retooling team. No, you're still there to win. That's what you're paid to do. That's what the dollars go into your bank account for is to produce wins regardless of circumstance. So yeah, maybe you don't have a, a game breaker. You don't have a superstar. You don't have a representative at the NHL All-Star game last week. But you're still there to win, produce, build. And why can't the collective be greater for the Calgary Flames than perhaps a game breaker on the other side? And I, I want to be careful with how I phrase this because whenever I, I say things like this I, I always inevitably so, so after a game like the the game the Flames played against Boston on Tuesday inevitably on the text line I get two things or we get two things right we were very very full of praise for the way the Flames played for good reason because they played a hell of a hockey game and immediately you get those in team tank saying easy 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 I'm not impressed. Look at how bad Boston mm-hmm. was. Bruins didn't come to play. They were caught off. They, 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 they were caught off guard coming off the all-star break. Let's uh, not get ahead of ourselves. The Flames are what they are. We get those things. I got them plenty on the text line on Tuesday night. 
At the same time, if I mention that the Bruins didn't look very good, I get the, why aren't you giving the Flames the credit <laughs> they deserve? I'm like, holy, I can't win. And, and the fact of the matter is, the Bruins did not play very well. The fact of the matter is, the Flames played a hell of a hockey game. I know that this is difficult in the year 2024, but it is still an accurate statement to say two things can be true at the same time. I know that many of us live in a strictly black or white world, it feels like, but two things can still be true at the same time. And that's why a game between a team that is flirting with 500 and a team that was, what, 20, uh, 19, 20 games above 500 going into the game on, on Tuesday night? That's why... One team can look completely dominant over the other because one team plays the way they need to and the other team doesn't. That's how you get a one-sided affair in a regular season game like that. So I guess the point I'm making is, the reason I bring that up is because I think with a galvanized David and Goliath pack of hyenas approach, if the Flames can really truly embrace that and bring it into the way they approach games... They can really punch teams in the mouth that absolutely will be overlooking them, like the Boston Bruins may have on Tuesday. That's not an insult to the Flames. This is an opportunity for Calgary to go and kick some stomachs because, yeah, you know what? The Rangers may uh, uh, underestimate them on Monday. They may look right past them. You know, the New Jersey Devils are getting set for the stadium series. They got the Flames coming in on Thursday absolutely the Devils might be looking past this non-playoff Western Conference team that has been flirting with 500 and trading away all their guys. Like, guys, we got this. Stadium series is coming. Well, go out and punch them in the mouth then on Thursday night if that's going to be the case. And you do that by embracing what Nazem Kadri said post-game. So uh, that, that's that's why I brought up the I can't win side of things because it's not an it's it's not to be insulting to the Flames when I say something like that. The one thing that I take away from the game against Boston on Tuesday night as well is through 40 minutes, it did not go Boston's way whatsoever. But to me, it never felt as though the Boston Bruins, given the pedigree of the team, given the superstars that they have, weren't completely out of it whatsoever. And 20 minutes could have won them that game. The Calgary Flames didn't let that happen. Even with penalty trouble, even with uh, a push from the Boston Bruins and they get the power play goal and suddenly you're going, uh-oh, this could go sideways. No, the Calgary Flames didn't let it. So yeah, as much as Boston didn't bring their A game, the Calgary Flames didn't let them take 20 minutes of that game and turn it into a win for the home side. So you tip the cap to them a little bit. And to your point about, okay, well, look who they have on the upcoming schedule and there might be some distraction and there might be some underestimating the opponent coming in given the circumstance and you mentioned the stadium series well Calgary go out there and do it again and don't let the other team which is going to have superstars you don't don't let them use a 20 minute or a 25 minute stretch to win the game use your collective what's a, is it a pack of hyenas pack of hyenas okay I'm glad I didn't try to like jazz it up with something that totally did, didn't fit but take your pack of hyenas and, and make sure that those lions don't find a way to impact the game and Go about collecting points and collecting wins and seeing if you can build off this vibe. Now, I don't want to correct Nazem Kadri because it's not technically called a pack of hyenas. Okay. I I was pretty sure this in my head as as you were talking about. It. I didn't it didn't even click until right now. But you know what? We don't have to. We don't have to. We can just the 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 theme is the important part. It's called a cackle, a cackle of hyenas is a group, technically, 
technically. That's kind of why I asked you there, because I'm like, pack seems a little too on the it's nose. A, it's a wolf pack, right? Yeah. But, I mean, it wouldn't have... It doesn't change the if message. If I'm Nazem Kadri, I don't know if I'm like, it doesn't roll quite off the tongue. Like, cackle of hyenas can take down a lion. You're like, a what? I, I'm, I I'm on Team Pack. I would have had to Google it. I'm not going to lie. If that was the quote, I'm, like, I'm on Team Pack. I agree. Let's let's roll with that. Seems like a merchandise opportunity for the Calgary Flames as well. Just it saying. Does. Yep, it does. Just saying. Do you know what a group of crows is called? Is there a punchline to the joke, or are you just straight up asking? No, I'm asking you. Like, murder. That's yeah, a murder of crows. Yeah. I thought there might have been like, I thought you were trying to take the dad jokes away from me there a little no, bit. And no, I got, no, I, I got would a little, never try. What do you call one crow sitting by itself? What? Attempted murder. Oh, <sighs> the silence is deafening. But the amount of groaners this guy. <laughs> Come yep. on. Yep. I'll that wear that is one. one of your absolute worst. And I have traveled with this guy no. extensively, sharing hotel rooms and hearing him talk idly oh. to himself. And that one. Which I wasn't aware I did until you pointed that out. That's it, good to know. I do too. So it's not like I'm criticizing. Uh, this text says a pack of wolves can take down a Bruin. Well, that, Ooh. Works. that works. Again, can we not nitpick Nazem Kadri here? The theme is what matters. And I agree. It's the whole David and Goliath. It's the whole galvanize the group. Yes. Yeah. They did just lose Elias Lindholm. And lots of people are talking about how good a player the Vancouver Canucks just got. And he scored two goals in his first game as a member of the Canucks. Good on him. But that doesn't mean um, it doesn't mean that the Flames can't still take this and be like, hey, we don't think that we're a poor team just because this trade was made. We think we're bringing in a pretty good player. We think we still have good players. And I'm not saying that you need to buy it if you're on the outside. I'm not even trying to sell it to you that that is the case. I'm just trying to sell that that's what the Flames need to be adopting inside that locker room. Because you know what? If Chris Tanev gets traded and or if Noah Hannafin gets traded here between now and March 8th, and I'm feeling pretty confident at least one of those things is absolutely going to happen, then they're probably going to need a little bit more of that type of stuff to keep them competitive. And guys like Nazem Kadri and... Jonathan Huberdeau and Blake Coleman and Mackenzie Weger, those are just four names that come to mind. Rasmus Anderson, you think those guys are, are content with like, oh no, we traded away our guys, let's just go through the motions and get ourselves to next season when we care again. That's not how these guys are wired, right? right? So, of course they're going to want to still try to be competitive regardless of who has been dealt or not. The only people that need to completely buy into that phrase are the 21 or 22 or 23 players inside that locker room because I can see the scenario where it's an us against the world mentality and that quote, that uh, phrase suits it perfectly for what the Cal Calgary Flames aren't out of this as much as Team Tank wants to think that they are or the direction that that's where the Calgary Flames should go. They're sitting three points back of the St. Louis Blues for the second wildcard spot right now. Blues have played one fewer game. This isn't something where you're looking at being the even the Minnesota Wild who are sitting back at 47 points and have to look up one, two, three, four, past five teams in order to get into that spot. The Calgary Flames aren't in the worst position in terms of chasing that wildcard spot, but at the same time, they're not too far out from, well, they are in lottery contention as it stands right now by way of not being in the playoff picture. But this is still not an insurmountable hill. And if you can get the guys in the locker room to buy into the pack of hyenas taking down 
align scenario, you might see a competitive Calgary Flames team down the stretch, regardless of what happens on March 8th. A few other things to uh, jump into. Uh, get to the text line first, though, at 960-960. Uh, longtime listener, longtime contributor. Gentleman goes back to the email days. Uh, Timmy K says, Peace Nine, you're such a dork, man. Who cares what it's <laughs> called? Shut up, Timmy. You know what? Go drive your go drive your Subaru and Hey, don't disparage Subarus. You know, I've got nothing wrong with Subarus, actually. Cam is also a proud Subaru driver. And his car's pretty sexy. That SDI, pretty good. Um, but I'm just saying, uh, Timmy, when it go runs. away. Shut up. Uh, I can say that. Timmy's a longtime listener. Um, this says, um, I'm a real longtime Flames fan. Playoffs, probably not. But with the right mindset and the right effort, there can be some really good hockey for them and the fans. Great hockey is what's needed to keep the fans engaged in this team as it goes through its struggles. Cup isn't on the horizon, but some great hockey is. And, you know, that's a, that's a really important point in that whatever happens, they make the playoffs, if they don't make the playoffs, if they trade five guys, they trade two guys, whatever. This is a transitional phase. Craig Conroy is, what, eight eight months onto the job? Something like that? Nine months into his job as, as general manager of the team? You know, he's, he's not even a full year into being GM of this team. It takes longer than that to truly put your stamp on a franchise. So whether they had all these UFAs or not, you go from Brad Living to Craig Conroy, you're going to be in a transitional phase. And the Flames are absolutely in that transitional phase, maybe more so than most teams are when they switch GMs because of the situation that Craig took over. So this is a transitional phase, a transitional year. And so whether they make it or not, that text is really important. They still have to go out and play good hockey. Yes. They still have to go out and set a culture, set a standard for themselves, right? That's absolutely the point that I was going to drive home. You can't, let the, you can't let the idea seep into the locker room that losing is okay. You still have to maintain a culture. You have to set a culture, regardless of who the 23 players are on the roster. Not one of them can believe that, oh, it's okay that we lost this game. Who really cares? Because that starts to seep in. You're going to have bigger problems than just rebuilding a roster. Uh, this says, play the Nashville card from last year. Commit to the trades with Hannafin, Tanev, and possibly Markstrom. Get your return. And if the team makes the playoffs, then great. And that's kind of exactly where I'm at. Make your pragmatic moves. Mm -hmm. And and whether you think that should be trading Hannafin or you think that should be signing Hannafin, whatever. If you're the Flames, be pragmatic. Trade the guys that aren't going to be a part of this beyond this year and long-term. And probably that means Chris Tanev because he's a pending unrestricted free agent. Right. And quite possibly that means Noah Hannafin because Hannafin hasn't signed on the dotted line. And if both of those remain the case, trade them. And that's not me saying get rid of them. That's me saying you've got two great assets, two great players that teams covet, so take advantage of that. And then if you make the playoffs, that's awesome. Then the city gets excited for the playoffs. And then we see what happens. And Connor Zary and Martin Pospisil and, and Oliver Shillington and Braden Pahal and lots of other players get more playoff experience or their first playoff experience. And that's a good thing because as a young, a team that's trying to go younger, the more playoff experience you get, the better. And if you don't make it, that's okay too, because 
it is a transitional phase. That that's kind of exactly why I keep bringing up the Nashville thing because they missed by what two points when it was all said and done. I believe they ended up finishing behind the Flames in the standings, but they actually were alive longer yeah. than the Flames were, and they were the team that eliminated Calgary from playoff contention last year. Well, I can't imagine Roman Yossi and UC Saros going after the trade deadline, throwing their hands up in the dressing room and being like, well, boys, that's a wrap on the season. Let's just ride this thing out and get into the offseason so we can get into relaxation mode. There was not a chance in the world that that was the approach the Nashville Predators took post-deadline, despite losing, what, four or five players out of their lineup at and in the weeks leading up to the trade deadline. It's just not going to happen. And finally from Corey, uh, I hope for a retool. Actually, I'll, I'll read the first part. Uh, to lead off prayers for Lanny. Absolutely. Yes. Um, and, and more good vibes because Lanny's, Lanny's doing fine. So more good vibes. But prayers work too. Uh, I hope for a retool with a strong culture. I'd hope to strive for a playoff spot every year to learn what it takes to win in the playoffs. I'd like Markstrom to mentor Wolf as opposed to Vladar. I hope people remember how bad goaltending can kill a culture. Remember Ramo, Ordeo, Berra, Lack, etc. A strong top 4D and good goalkeeping keeps you uh, alive and keeps you with a chance to make the playoffs. And I'd like that if that top four could include Hannafin along with Uyghur, Anderson, and Shillington. Lastly, you don't always need a high pick if your scouting's excellent. That guy that represented Tampa in the All-Star weekend was picked 58th. That comes from Corey. Um couple of other things to point out and uh, to touch on. The main one is I really like that contract extension the Flames signed with Martin Pospisil on Wednesday afternoon. Um, it is a two-year contract extension for Pospisil at a $1 million AAV. It's a two-year deal that keeps him restricted, so he um, remains under team control when this extension expires so the Flames aren't walking a guy to unrestricted free agency. It's only a $250,000 raise on his AAV. For a guy who's been a really solid contributor, both on the score sheet and in the overall way the Flames need to play, want to play, Martin Pospisil, when he got called up in early November, almost instantly gave them something that they have lacked, and that is a grease factor. That is a guy that that plays with a certain amount of reckless abandon and walks the line. Gumption. And by walking the line, he gets under the skin of a lot of other teams. And I can tell you, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that message of doing that, which Martin Pospisil has done at the USHL level and the American League level, they said, we, I don't care that this guy's got 600 more NHL games than you. If Nathan McKinnon is right there for you to take a run at, you take a run at him. And not in a straight-up dirty way. He's not going out there to hurt. But you want to piss guys off. You want to get under skin. And that's why... I really don't even have a problem with what happened with Brad Marchand on on Tuesday night. Yeah, he got kicked out of the game. Sure, I don't, I don't even vehemently disagree with him getting kicked out of the game. It is what it is. But like, yeah, do that. Get under the skin of other teams. Sometimes you might have to serve a, a match penalty or, or, or a game misconduct or whatever the case may be. You don't want to go hurt guys, but you want to make sure that other teams dislike you. Well, let's and not, he brings that to the table. Let's not forget what caused that play as well. It was Marshawn poking one too many times at Jacob Markstrom. So Pospisil's coming in and being like, you're not going to do that to my goalie while I'm on the ice. Well, we all know that um, we, <laughs> Brad Marchand is no angel himself. Yeah, absolutely. And he was penalized on the play for it as well. He got a two-minute minor for slashing. So there you are. It's just, I like everything about this contract. You mentioned team control. You mentioned it's only a slight raise. 
It still has the element of if it doesn't work out with Pospisil for the longer term of this contract, you can still bury the entire salary in the minors. So you're not there. It's not a consequential cap hit by doing so. But all signs point to a the player earned this and is being rewarded, and the team is willing to give him the term of two years, willing to give it a one way. And it's still a situation where come in and do your job because you do something that nobody else on this roster currently does with our forward group. Two-year extension for Pospisil. It's a $1 million AAV. It expires with him still under team control as a restricted free agent. Also, just a shout-out to Line 4 for the Flames on Tuesday. That's best fourth-line performance the Flames have had since probably October when Sharon, Sharon Govich. Govich was centering that fourth line what uh, Kevin Rooney and Jacob Pelche did in their uh, season debuts with the Flames and and Walker Dewar playing probably his best game of the year. More fourth-line nights like that. That's going to give the Flames a nice little kick in the pants as well. It's Vickers and Steinberg as we continue along from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio this hour. Wet basement? They have a lasting solution to keep your basement dry. If you experience any water in your basement, contact Basement Systems. They're all things basementy. Visit dlbasementsystems.com. You're locked on Flames Talk, only on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, time to go inside hockey on this Wednesday for Calgary Co-op. This hockey season, support local. Find your all-time classics and locally brewed beers. Visit your local Calgary Co-op wine, spirits, beer today. It's Steinberg along with you on this hour of Flames Talk, and we go inside hockey on a Wednesday by saying hello to our Pacific Division insider, Jonathan Davis of NHL Network, and he joins us right now. Mr. Davis, uh, first of all, good to have you back after a one-week hiatus on the All-Star break, so wonderful to speak with you. And uh, number two, um, we had ourselves quite the marquee Pacific Division showdown Tuesday night at T-Mobile on the Strip, the Las Vegas, not Las Vegas, the Vegas Golden Knights, hosting the Edmonton Oilers and their 16-game win streak on the line, and the streak is finally over. No new NHL record for the Oilers. Their streak snapped at 16 consecutive. Yeah, and I know that there were a lot of people that were crying in, in Calgary last night, but uh, Pat, that was a lot of fun. I mean, that, that game last night, you know, I think it, it, it really it didn't disappoint, and that third period to me was Vegas playing playoff hockey. Uh, the way that they were able to shut Edmonton down. And look, and, and the other thing was, I mean, Aiden Hill was outstanding. I mean, he he definitely, I don't want to say he stole two points, but he definitely earned those two points for goal, for Vegas last night. So you, you take, it, it kind of felt like a, a playoff brand of hockey. It kind of felt like it had that type of big game feel for early February. Um, now that the streak has come to an end, now that you saw the Oilers play that type of game against Vegas, um, just, I'm, I'm curious as to how you see this Oilers team as they finally have sustained a loss for the first time in 17 games. Like, are they, they're just back to kind of a whole lot closer what we thought they were going to be this year, right? Well, I mean, I, you know, you watch that game, and I, I think, you know, there's no, it, you don't walk away from that game going, man, you know, that was not a good performance by Edmonton last night. I mean, they played a, they played a really good game and they played, against a very disciplined Vegas team. And so I, I didn't I didn't leave saying, oh, okay, you know, we're going to go back to the Oilers being that team we saw, you know, for the first, you know, month or two of the season. I, I think they're still in a really good spot. And, you know, uh, look, we'll see what happens. Look, they've got 
Anaheim coming up uh, Friday, L.A. on Saturday. And, I mean, they're going to, you know, I'm more interested to see how L.A. reacts on Saturday than than Edmonton. But, I mean, I I think if you're – if you're Edmonton and, and you're the Oilers fan base, you're still you know, you're feeling really good about that game last night, other than the loss, because I thought Aiden Hill did deal that game and and, all, and he made big big time saves. About eight minutes left, he robbed Connor point blank. Um, it was a good game. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, it was a really impressive game. Um, and I do just before. You know, and the, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Well, the other thing I wanted to bring up, you know, last night was. Look, that game last night, the media attend, you know, the, the the credential list for that game, and I don't know what the actual numbers were, but I was originally planning, I was planning on going to the game last, you know, last night, and I and I did get an email from the Golden Knights, just kind of just checking in with me and just wondering what, you know, my responsibilities were going to be that night because of the fact that they were so inundated because of Super Bowl. Uh, oh yeah, know, and, and I didn't so, even think of that. You know, so it was a great opportunity. You know, look, Dustin Johnson, we, we saw the shot on Sportsnet of Dustin Johnson with Paulina Gretzky at the game. I think the one thing that would have been great from a, a scheduling standpoint, that's Vegas' only home game this week. Um, I would have loved to have seen, the, you know, somehow, you know, with the Super Bowl in town, I think it would have been a great opportunity to have multiple games this week. That's one disappointment for me. Um, just with the schedule makers, but uh, it was a, it was you know they they definitely had the eyeballs on them last night. Yeah, um, and 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 before we because you know uh, they're also Vegas played a heck of a game too, and and we'll get to them in just a second. But um, I, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to the radio voice of the Edmonton Oilers, Jack Michaels, because prior to uh, their thirteenth consecutive win, which was the game at the Scotiabank Saddledome, I was talking to Jack. We were. Because he's a wonderful man, as much as he he calls games for the wrong team. Uh, He's a wonderful man. And he and I were just talking. And and he goes, goes, Patty, I I don't think they're losing until after the All-Star break. I think it ends against Vegas. And I go, I I literally texted him back and I said, shut up, Jack. And I said, said, shut up. Because I'm like, okay, easy. You got the Battle of Alberta. Let's not stop plotting out the next four after that. And he ended up being right. He, they won 16. They won all their games up to the All-Star break. They come out of the All-Star break, and they lose to Vegas. So uh, Jack Michaels telegraphed that prior. They'd won 12 in a row when he telegraphed that, and he was correct. So I wanted to make sure that I gave him the credit that he deserved. And he's a good man. No, he is. He is a good man. Well, that's enough about him. Um, Jonathan yeah. Davis is with us, our Pacific Division Insider, NHL Network. Okay, Vegas – Give yes, Aiden Hill was very good, absolutely. But that's a that's a Golden Knights team that they're tied one one after forty minutes of play against a really good opponent on the other side. JD, that's that's a Vegas team that knows how to win those hockey games, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. And and think about you know who's still out of that lineup. I mean, they had William Carlson back, uh, but still no Jack Eichel, still no Shea Theodore. Um, so they're still missing some key key components of that roster, but they, yeah, they know how to play, and and there looked to be a lot of excitement. You know, when they won that game last night, uh, that seemed to be a not a normal reaction for a win in February. Uh, I think it was, you know, I think it was very important for those for that for that for those guys. They they wanted to end the streak, and look, it's a big rivalry that these two teams have created. Um, so. I think it was a very important win for Vegas, and it just it just shows you that you know again, Pat. We've talked about it throughout the year. They know 
when to, to show up for the big games. They know how to show up, yep. not just when. They, they know how to show up. They may take a game off here and there, but, man, that, it was just another game that they had circled on the calendar. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's uh, move to your neck of the woods. Uh, if uh, you're not familiar, uh, our boy Jonathan Davis is based in SoCal and has his finger on the pulse of, of the Kings and the Ducks in a large way. The Ducks are also Rans this year. The Kings are not. Uh, but they're also a team that's got a new head coach. Uh, definitely eyebrows raised when Rob Blake fired Todd McClellan as the head coach last week. Uh, just now that we've had some time to reflect and and. You've seen essentially every minute the L.A. Kings have played this year and a lot of it with your own two eyes up close and personal. What was your reaction and how have you reacted now to the news that Todd McClellan's out as head coach of the Kings? Well, okay, you know, it's not a surprise from the standpoint that there really wasn't any other move that Rob Blake had available to him just because of of where this team is salary cap-wise. So, you know, they say you can't fire 20 players. So what do you do? You, you, you get rid of you, know, you got to fight. You got to get rid of the coach. So not surprised from that standpoint. I, I thought that Rob Blake looked, I don't know, defeated at that press conference. He, he just seemed really down. I don't think that he wanted to fire Todd McClellan. I think he also realizes that, you know, his job could be in jeopardy. Um, if this team can't find a way to at least win one round, um, and so, yeah, where this team is at right now, no, it, it's not a good situation. Not surprised by the fact that they brought in Jim Hiller and, and partly, Pat, for the reason that I just mentioned that, you know, if this team um, can't find a way to turn things around, then, you know, and if you know, Rob Blake may not be here next year, well, they're not going to bring in, you know, whether it's, you know, they're not going to sign any coach to a long-term deal. So, any coach that was going to be hired was going to be on an interim basis. Um, we'll see where, you know, we'll see where it goes, you know, with Edmonton is their first game Saturday night. Um, you know, look, this, this, you know, some people have suggested that, you know, the, the part of the issue is, is that teams have kind of figured out the, the Kings one, three, one system. Um, and they've been able to neutralize them and they, the Kings haven't been able to adjust. I think that when you look at the history of, the Kings under Todd McCollum, the one thing that Todd has done, that, you know, he's really done this, whether it was in San Jose or Edmonton, he brings structure to a team and, and he did a great job at doing that. But I think the big question is, is that can he take that team to the next level? And um, he did a really good job of building things, but you know, there, there to me, Pat are a lot of issues here. And, and I, and I still think that it starts with, you know, the, the, the two, the two big guys in Kopitar and Dowdy. Um, I just, I, you know, you, you, you want to see more from them. And at the same time, I don't think, you know, how much can you expect from, you know, two of the older players on the team? Well, and I know that you know, you've been talking for a long time about, you know, what are they going to do and what do you do is are, are, are Kopitar and Dowdy long-term, you know, forever Kings, or do they, think about moving them. I go back to a year or two ago, we were having conversations about where the Kings go with those two guys. And here they are, they're in a playoff spot. They have made the playoffs two years in a row. And, and, you know, we're in a spot where they looked like they were juggernauts earlier in the year. And now have come back down to earth a little bit. Is, is there more that those guys are capable of in your eyes? 
I don't think, look, no, I I don't think there's a lot more than that they're capable of. And, and, you know, in the case of Kopitar, you know, he's not going anywhere. He's got, you know, he's got the two year extension. Um, You know, he's got the no move. Um, You know, you're, you're, you know, that's a guy that would, you know, would soon, you know, he would retire before leaving. I mean, before going somewhere else, there's no, there's, there's no need, you know, for, you know, he's not going anywhere. You know, in Drew's case, he's also got a no-move clause. And, and at $11 million, like, really, uh, Drew's not an $11 million player. I mean, you know, he's just not that guy anymore. And so, you know, I think in, in what L.A.'s case, it's they, they don't have a lot of moves that they can make. I, I think if you're Los Angeles, you, you, you would trade – you should be trading Matt Roy. He's the one guy who's on an expiring contract. Uh, I think that that's someone – you know, that would – also free up spots for the two young defensemen in Jordan Spence and Brant Clark. And, you know, there's another guy, you know, and, and Arthur Kalia is another guy that they can move, but that's not going to really help them cap wise. But, you know, I, I would, I'm interested to see what happens with Kalia because that's a relationship that just was not very good with Todd McCullen. And we'll see if, if Jim Hiller decides to, to take advantage of some of Kalia's skills. But, you know, the other problem, Pat, here in Los Angeles is that, and I, I think we've talked about it before. You've got Kopitar, Fiala, and Dubois, and none of them played on the same line, other than potentially a power play. Mm-hmm. Like Kopitar and and Fiala played together for the first three months that Fiala was here, and then that went away. And even when you know Quinton Byfield went down, I think the logical thing would have been to bump up Kevin Fiala to the top line. But for whatever reason, they didn't, and they went with rookie Alex Laferriere, and that's not. That, that, there's got to be a problem there, and and Fial and Dubois, uh, that that's a marriage. Those, those two guys don't play with, on the same line, and you know th- that's a problem. And the Dubois contract is a bigger problem, and that's you know the big thing that's going to haunt Rob Blake if Pierre Luc Dubois can't find a way to kind of salvage the second half of the season. It's uh, Jonathan Davis, our Pacific Division insider from NHL Network, joins us every week here on Flames Talk. We're going inside hockey. Let's uh, wrap up with uh, the two very clear non-playoff teams in the Pacific Division, and those would be the San Jose Sharks and Anaheim Ducks. We know that neither the Ducks nor the Sharks will be playoff bound, and, and that's not a surprise. We were pretty sure of that coming into the season. But that doesn't mean they can't still be players between now and the end of the season or from a roster standpoint between now and the trade deadline. Who, who should we have our eyes on in terms of potential targets that other teams could be looking at from the Sharks and the Ducks? Well, I think the number one target is Adam Henrique, without question. Expiring contract um, and, and, you know, play center. So, you know, everybody's always looking for centers. And so where, you know, is there, can we find a match there for, you know, there, there will be a match. He, he's the number one guy. Maybe a guy like Neil Labushkin, um, you know, who's played in Ottawa, or I'm sorry, in Arizona and Buffalo, uh, you know, a guy that can, can be a depth defenseman for a team. And the other one is, you know, what, you know, can Anaheim move John Gibson or is that an off season move? But those, those are the three guys that I think that, you know, Frank Vetrano is another one that we keep hearing as a possibility. Um, you know, all, all that guy does is score, score some big goals. Mm-hmm. Um, so Vetrano is another one. I think, in, you know, in San Jose, you know, you, you, it's Anthony Duclair. Um, it's Mike Hoffman. I don't really think, you know, Duclair, I think maybe you may get more for Duclair than Hoffman. And then I also wonder, though, Pat, about either Mackenzie Blackwood or, 
or Kako Kakinen, who have played some big games for San Jose. Granted, look, you're playing on a bad team and it's easier, but Mackenzie Blackwood's had a, I, I think has had a really good year. Um, and I think, you know, for me, I, I keep thinking back to that, that game against Colorado at the beginning of the year when it took 50 shots to beat them uh, for, for, the, for a goal. Uh, but I wonder about Blackwood as teams are, are, are desperately looking for goalies. And, you know, look, that's what's going on in Los Angeles. I mean, you know, right now it's, it's big save Dave is, is the number one goalie. And, you know, so we'll see. I, I know LA's in the market for, for another goalie. But, I, I, you know, just with their cap issues, I just don't know what they can do that would make a significant upgrade over what they have. But, you know, Pat, I said to you earlier in the year, they're burning out Cam Talbot. He hasn't won in his last 10 starts. And he's given up five goals, I think, in three of his last four starts. It shouldn't be surprising. They they push that you know thirty six year old goalie way too much. Right. Um. Well, I'd uh, be curious to see what happens with both the Sharks and the Ducks when it comes to uh, their trade deadline approach and who might be uh, who might be targeted there. Uh, appreciate the time as always, JD. We'll do it again next week, my friend. But thank you so much. Uh, talk to you soon. Have a good rest of your week. Hey. Right, you too. Take care, Pat. Jonathan Davis from NHL Network joins us every week, our Pacific Division insider, to spin us around the rest of the Pacific Division. And uh, many Flames fans saying thank you, thank you, thank you to the Vegas Golden Knights. No NHL record for the Edmonton Oilers. We'll take the little wins down here. We'll take the little wins. That's our look inside hockey for Calgary Co-op. Let's go local Calgary from best from the West Canadian produce to quality only Alberta meats. Find your local at Calgary Co-op. Shop online or in store today. As we start to wrap up this hour, thank you very much to Aaron Vickers on Twitter at AA Vickers. We'll talk to you on Thursday, my friend. Absolutely. Look forward to it. Uh, Cam Hughes has been our outstanding producer this hour as well. Thank you to Cam. That'll wrap us up on the Sports Drive. Brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Simplify your life with a security ecosystem. Go to calgarylockandsafe.com to request a security audit and get a tailored solution.